Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock. Let me stop for a second and just kind of enlighten you to something. This is talking about the children of Israel. Getting out of slavery out of Egypt. God leading them. God taking them through to the the trip that they need to take to get to the promised land. And when they were thirsty, God gave them to drink. When they were hungry, God fed them. He did everything for them that they needed. And so God was leading them. But it's interesting that as the apostle write right here, he says, and that rock was Christ. So it, that, that rock where the water flew, flow out of. They thought they were drinking just water. And now the scriptures tell us that rock, where the water flowed out of, that rock was Christ. So for those of us that, 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 that don't understand that, it was always, it was always prophesied from Old Testament to New to let us know what was ahead. Huh. Verse 5 says, But with many of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So hear me. God took care of them, but God says their response to me was not pleasing even though I took care of them. I wonder if some of us can identify with that today. That God is taking care of us, but our response to God, he's not pleased. You will never have to worry about God doing his part. No, that's never the issue. The issue is, am I doing my part? Now these things were examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also did. So, so what this is telling us is they, they lusted after evil things while God was doing, oh, help me somebody. God was treating them good and doing good stuff to them, but they were lusting after evil things. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them, for example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. What it's saying is, we think we're doing well and we're standing strong, but the Bible says, take heed. You may fall, you may think you're strong, you may think you're doing all right, you may think you're okay, but the Bible says, take heed, lest you fall. And the final verse here, in this passage here that I want to read to you this morning, is verse 13. There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. 
But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will in the temptation or will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Jesus, your word has already been established. Your power is always accompanied with your word. And so now that your word has gone forth, let the power of God be now manifested that every eye will see and every ear will hear and every heart will receive and respond in faith. Lord, I pray the manifestation of your power will be glorious in this place for God. We do not desire to share in your glory. We want you to be glorified to be magnified and to be honored in this house. We are your people and the sheep of your pastor. Now, Lord, we ask, oh God, that the will of God be done in this place this morning, that none of us will leave without the will of God being done in us individually and collectively. Jesus, we have no power. We have no strength. We have nothing to offer but praise and worship. And, Lord, if we offer praise and worship to you, will you, Lord God, hear our cry? Will you, O oh God, respond to us? Will you, O oh God, do what you want to do? We're just asking, Lord. We're not trying to tempt you, Lord. We're not trying to coerce you, Lord. We're just asking, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. We give you the praise and the honor. If somebody will lift up their voice even now, if somebody will raise their hand, if somebody will clap their hands and let out their voice and let the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords know, God, I'm here to praise you today. God, I'm here to magnify your name today. God, I'm here to shout, to shout with a voice of triumph because you've been good to us. You continue to be good to us and you will forever be good to us. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Can somebody help me praise him this morning? In the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands in this church. We got to let God stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost in us. We got to get beside ourselves, get beyond ourselves and says, I'm not here for you to check me out. I'm not here worrying about what you think of me, but I'm here to let God know what I think about him. You may be seated. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Hmm. He's all right. He's all right. He's all right. When you start to think about him, you just don't even know the words to form and begin to say what he is. And that's why they say he's all right. Because man, oh man, there's so much to say what he is that the only thing you can just say is he's all right. But I'm here to tell you today and even yesterday at the funeral, what it just keeps just 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 in my mind is we we have to let people know what we think of them and what we feel about them while they're living. We can't wait till it's too late 
We keep all of our thoughts in our mind and we keep all of what we think in our heart and we can't express ourselves to let them know what we think of them. And then when it's too late, when they're gone, sometimes that's why we go to funerals and we see people sometimes kind of lose it. You know, we lose it at funeral because we, we, we oftentimes don't tell people what we think of them when they're living. And so now they're gone and we're saying to ourselves, I never got a chance to say this. I never got a chance to say that and know all those things. And so I'm here to tell you this, this morning that we need to tell one another what we think about them, the good things we think about them. We, we, we need to express the good things. Don't, don't go down the bad. Just, just tell them the good things you think about them. Just, just begin to express yourself to them about the good things you think about them because when they're gone you can tell them no more they don't hear you and so we can trick ourselves deceive ourselves to think that we can speak to them while they're gone and thinking they're hearing us they're not hearing us and if they can hear us they can't do anything about it and so what we think about jesus we need to let him know what we think about him. We, we, we need to get beyond ourselves and say, I need to let Jesus know what I think about him. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me. I don't know about you this morning, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus, I'm not going to sit on my hands. I'm not just going to talk low, but I'm going to shout as high as I can, as loud as I can, I'm going to lift my heart and my hands, I'm going to clap as hard as I can, because I want Jesus to know what I think about Him, forget about what's in my heart, I want to express it, because if I express it, maybe somebody else will join with me and express what God has been doing in their life, He's looking for people that will show forth the praises of him that's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you are appreciative of what God has done, you need to get beyond yourself. Forget about who's sitting next to you. Forget about who is in front of you or behind you. Look up. Look up. And give Jesus the praise. And give Jesus the honor. And give Jesus the glory. I am going to get beyond it. I'm sorry, church. I'm calling on you this morning to get beyond your comfortableness, to get beyond your chilling, to get beyond your, your conservative ways. Forget about it. Ah, you just got to go and say, God, you are real. And, the, and what you've done in my life, I need more of it. I want to experience more of you. I want to get to a place in Christ where there is no return and I don't care how I'm perceived by people. I want to get to a place in Christ where people can say he's a maniac for Christ. He's a crazy person for Christ. I'm okay with it. When you have experience this world and understand that it don't have nothing really to offer you and that Jesus has great things to offer you. You don't have time to play 
You don't have the time to front and act like this is something that we just come to do. Oh, baby, this is real. God is real. There's coming a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. If you don't know now, sooner or later you're going to know Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings. He is the Creator. He is the Healer. And the Jesus is the all in all. And we need to trust Him. Clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. Clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. Clap your hands unto the Lord this morning. I, I, I got a, I got a, I got a secret for you. You know what you need to do? You need to make up in your mind. Listen to me. You need to make up in your mind. I'm just going to praise God like my hair's on fire. I'm going to worship God. And you know what I'm going to do at the church? I'm going to get out of church and I ain't going to talk to nobody. Uh-huh. My, my, it, during my days of being in church and even now, when the Spirit of the Lord move, I don't even want to talk to nobody. I don't want to talk at the church. I appreciate fellowship, but sometimes when God get a hold of me, when the power of God move in my life, I just want to soak it all in. And so I try to stay by myself for as long as I can. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning, get everything you can from Jesus today and ignore everybody else because they can't do for you what God can do for you. Don't let them get into your mind. Don't let them get into your head. Just come in this place and say, Jesus, do what you want because Cause I need you. I need you. And just give him the praise. I've entitled the message today. God is our deliverer. God is our Deliverer. And I'm here to tell you he's going to deliver some people this morning. He already started working your heart because uh, he's going to deliver today. Uh, oh my God, I wish I could communicate to you what the Holy Ghost uh, is trying to get you to understand. Uh, God uh, is ready to deliver. God is ready to deliver. God is ready to deliver you. There's just times where God says, it's, it's time now. It's time now. Are you ready? It's time now. Let me deliver you. Israel was in slavery for over 400 years, 430 years to be exact. When you talk about Joseph going there, they were in slavery for a long time. And the day came where God said, it's time. It's time. I'm going to send my servant to deliver you. And when God come and say, it's time, you better respond. Because you don't know if there will be another time. We don't know God. We don't know everything about God. And we don't know what He will do or won't do at times. And so we need to know when God said it's time, it's time. Temptations come into every person's life. No one is exempt from temptation. Even Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, was tempted. So we know temptation is going to come in everybody's life. We must not be surprised or afraid or think that we are alone in our temptation. Temptation come to everybody. Instead, 
we should realize our weaknesses and turn to God for his strength. Temptation is going to come to you and you can't avoid it. You can't dip around it. You can't dodge from it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. Temptation will come to you in one way, shape, or form. But you got to turn to God. 2 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, My grace, this is Jesus talking to the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God will demonstrate His power and His strength when you become weak and have no strength to do it your way. You can do it by choice, or you can do it not by choice. And so you can you can decide, God, I, I am weak. I don't know how to handle this. I don't have the strength to make it through this. Will you help me? Or you can decide, oh, man, I'm jammed up, so let me try to figure out how to get this done. You can try to figure it out, or you can let God work it out. And I'm here to tell you this morning, when you try to figure it out, you're on your own. But when you say, God, I can't figure it out. I don't have the strength. Then God will work it out for you. I'm here to tell you, you need to trust the Lord and turn to Him when temptation comes your way. Every person of every age is tempted. Every person of every age is tempted. The young person are tempted by the pleasures and choices that society puts before them. The old person is tempted by the gain and the hoarding of riches and the love of just things being easy. The well-learned, they are tempted by self-centeredness. You know, when you're smart. Everything is about you because you know everything. The prominent are tempted by ambition. And the religious, they are tempted by spiritual pride. We're all tempted. Doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be tempted and you can't get around it. This is why we have to get to the place of being real in church. Listen to me. I was just talking to Brother Kellyman this morning. I said, you know, back in the day, there are certain things that people didn't get, didn't talk about because they didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And I'm coming around to the place where I understand why they didn't talk about it. It probably just wasn't the time to talk about it. But in this day and age where social media is going to tell everything and going to expose everything, we're getting to the place where we need to tell it and be real and not worry about it. We can't allow things that come from our lives for us to be trying to cover up or trying to hide. We need to understand that every person is tempted. Every person will get snagged by temptation. It's just the grace of God that will help us. And so when we stop faking the funk and acting like everything is alright, when we know we're struggling here and we're struggling there and we got this problem and that problem, the person who will quickly realize I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to stand to my feet. 
I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to worship Him because I realize I can only make it with Christ Jesus. That's the only way I can make it, Tony. And so I'm telling you the quickest way for your deliverance today is to not act like you got it all together. The quickest way to get your deliverance is to just go to God and say, God, I don't have it together. And when you go to God, don't act like you ain't going to God. Don't let people, don't let people bother you in your mind of how you should approach God. If I need to stretch out here and lay prostrate and just begin to cry out, if I got to get on my knees and begin to lift my hands, if I got to sit in my chair and just get into, just to, just just ball up myself and begin to cry out, if I got to shout, if I got to scream, whatever I got to do, I'm doing it because I need Jesus. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I need Jesus. I'm not ashamed to say I need Jesus. I wish somebody in this house would get with it and said, I'm not ashamed to say, I need Jesus. Temptation will always come in three ways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the ways that temptation come, present itself, setting you up, setting me up. That's how temptation presents itself. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What does that mean, preacher? The lust of the flesh is that which pampers the appetite of your flesh or your physical desires, which is ungodly. So, I can see a nice filet mignon with the bone in it and be like, whoa, yes, cook that for me nice and medium. Ah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that because it's not ungodly. But when I see something and, and it begins to, oh, I want that in my flesh and it's ungodly. That is now what the Bible is talking about, the lust of the flesh, the things you desire the flesh to have that is ungodly. The things you desire for the flesh to have that is ungodly, that's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is desiring what gratifies your sight that is ungodly. So you're looking at something. It's ungodly and it's just making you feel good. That's another way how it comes into you. And finally, the pride of life. And that is the boasting and arrogance of pride in your life. Whatever promotes pride in your life. Living life with no regards and no submission to God. Living life like I don't need God. That's the pride of life. Which if you want to be technical, boy, we show it in church. Even in church sometimes we show it. Because why? The way we act, we act like I don't need God. Uh-huh. I, I, I'll get some input from him. I'll get some input from him. Yeah, yeah, God, give me some input. You know, almost treating God like we read in a book. 
You know, a book that gives you knowledge, a book that gives you insight, or, or treating God like treating the service like you're going to a seminar to know how to be better financially. I'm going to a seminar how to learn how to do this and learn how to do it. That's how we treat God. That's the pride of life. Mm-hmm. Until we go and make Jesus. What did I tell you some, some months ago? That Judas looked at Jesus, the Messiah, as teacher. That's it. Messiah, the anointed one, the teacher. So Judas called Jesus. If you read it, he called him master. That was like teacher, rabbi. The rest of the apostles, disciples, they looked at him as their Lord, God, and teacher. So when you approach Jesus as you are my God, my Lord, my King, the one that knows everything about me, that rules over my life. When you approach him like that and you stay submitted to him and then let him teach you, that's different than when you are there and you just want him to teach you. When I was in church, I say that like I'm not in church, but you know what I'm saying as I get to it. When I was not the pastor of the church that I was in, I treated my pastor like that. He wasn't just the teacher. He wasn't just the one that, 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 that taught me the word. And that's for good or for bad. He was, he, he, he was the man of God that I respect so much that I didn't talk back to him. I just kind of just yielded to him. I showed him great respect and reverence. That's just, it, it, it just flowed from me like that because of how I just knew God. And I understood who God was in that kind of way. That when God positioned his man to lead his people, that man you re- reverence and respect and humble yourself to him. And I did that. I still do today. I see the man of God, I see his wife, and you must, you, you, I become almost like a kid. Amen. Because Amen. that's how I think about God. I, my life flows like that. And I know some people probably won't even understand it. Man, you're grown. you your own pastor, pastor church. No. I don't know. I can't explain it to you. But when I see the man of God, humblest can be. What do you need? You okay? Whatever he tell me, I'm still saying okay. Like I'm a little kid. Because I understand that authority of God that when you decide that God is your God, when you know that he is Lord and master and ruler and not just one that give you information, not just one that teach you stuff, not one that just make your life better. When you understand who he really is, you get out of yourself and get beyond yourself. And there's a different kind of worship and there's a different kind of reverence that's supposed to come from your life. You're supposed to be in awe of who God is because... You know, he's not just a prophet, he's not just a teacher, he's not just rabbi, but he's God Almighty who manifested himself in flesh to be human so he can die for us and so we can know him. Don't make God like Judas to you. Teacher, advisor, information specialist. But no reverence, no awe, no worship. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, 
pride of life, that's how temptation will come to us. Preacher, can you prove that? Sure I can. Eve was tempted this way. Uh-huh. All three of them, she, she, she fell with all three of them. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. All of it got her. My man Lot, remember Lot? Ooh, I like over there. Uncle, I'm going over this way. You can go whichever way you want, Unc, but I'm going this way. And so his eyes, he saw Sodom and Gomorrah. Land looked good. I'm going over here, Unc. I don't know about you. And Unc said, wherever you want to go, go. Because Unc knew God was with him. And Unc knew wherever I go, that's where God want me to go. I'm going to be blessed wherever I go. Oh, God, that's a lesson in itself. It's a lesson in itself, church. When you decide to walk with Jesus, it doesn't matter what kind of land you go into. It doesn't matter if they're experiencing famine, or it's a cursed land, or it's a dry land, or it's a famished land. It doesn't matter what kind of land. As long as Jesus is with you, you can go any place. But you can go someplace where you like, where you think looks good, and Jesus is not with you, and Sooner or later, you're going to experience travesty and tragedy. God is our deliverer. Eve experienced it. Lot experienced it. The children of Israel, they experienced it while in the wilderness. They were tempted. King David experienced it, being tempted. Judas Iscariot experienced it. I'm rolling with the king of kings. Man, I can get anything I want. I can steal some of that money. Look at all the money that's coming in. He stole some money. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's how temptation comes to all of us. Uh huh. Temptation does not become real until two things happen in your life. And so, there are two things that cause temptation to become real in your life. Or it, be, it, it matters. After a while, it matters. Hey, temptation don't matter to some people. It, it, it only matters when two things happen. One, when you start coming to church and you hear the word of God preached. That's one. And then the other th- one is when you decide to... Repent of your sins because you realize who Christ is. Repent of, your sin, repent of your sins. Get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, what happens is temptation now becomes real to you when you start to be able to differentiate between godliness and ungodliness. Because, because when you're living in sin, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. So whether I'm tempted or not tempted, it doesn't matter. I'm in sin. None of it is going to get me to heaven. If you're living in sin, there's no good thing you can do to get to heaven. Because everything is sin. You can't do anything to say, well, I'm good now. No! There's a lot of people that are, that, that are not born again or in the kingdom of God. And guess what? In their mind, I'm doing some good things. I hear you. But that still don't get you into heaven. That still don't get you into right relationship with Christ. So you can do anything really because it don't matter. So whether you're a good person or you're not a... 
Here is what stings and what hurts if you're not living for God. You ready for this? Yes. Holy Ghost making me say this. So I'm going to say this as loving as I can because it's not me that's saying it. It's the Holy Ghost that want me to say this to this congregation. When you're not living for God, when you're not born again and submitted to God, whether you're a really good person or you're a criminal, you get the same thing. When you're not a person that is born again, living for God, following God, right? A child of God, because you've been born again. When you're not that person, you are no different in general. So what it means is if, if you're a criminal, your end result is not heaven. And if you're a good person in this world, your end result is not heaven. That's heavy. So no matter how good you are, your great-great-grandmom, she was such a good woman. The lady that we did the funeral yesterday, man, the testimony I heard about how she took care of people. She came from Kenya, and, 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 and I mean, she was a good lady. I found out later on, she don't even go to church. Good lady! Her and the dude that died as a criminal, they all going to be chilling in the same place. Think about that one. Think about that for a second. I know you're saying, but 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 you can you, you can you can go down the line, reasoning in your mind, all of this stuff. The bottom line is, all God know is what God commands us to do. Either we do what He says or we don't. What the Sunday school teacher says, there's no middle ground. There, there's no gray area. Either you're on God's side or you're not. And, and we, because we want to be comfortable, we, we put ourselves in a place where we feel like, well, well, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm not running around here doing all this. I hear you, baby. I hear you. I'm with you. I, I'm down with you. I'm with you that you're not running ragged and doing no criminal activity and treating people wrong and doing wrong. I know. I'm with you. But I'm not God. I'm not God. So as much as I'm going to sit with you and love you and hug you and talk good to you and have a great relationship with you and do whatever I can to help you, I'm there with you. But the shot caller says, either you're going to be on my side or you won't be on my side. There's no middle ground. That's a tough pill to swallow. That's a tough, and that's why I said that temptation only matters when you now get in the position of knowing who God is or living for God. So when you get to know who God is, now the struggle begins. When you start living for God, now the struggle begins. Before I was living for God, when I said I wasn't going to drink no more, guess what? That was just short-lived because there was no struggle. Oh yeah, I know I said it, that was just an hour ago, let's go. So there was no real struggle when I wasn't living for God to do right or do wrong. But when you start living for God, trust me, there's a struggle there, baby, because it's called temptation. It's called temptation. That temptation is trying to take you over because you're trying to live right. You're trying to do right. You're trying to obey righteousness. You're trying to obey God. But the struggle becomes real. Young people said back in the day, yeah, man, the struggle is real out here. What they know about struggle? There ain't no real struggle, man. The struggle is real out here. 
that's when we start understanding temptation is when we get into the place where God is trying to get us to. God has been good to us, church. God has been good to us. He has provided for us. He has invited us into his kingdom. He has and continues to nourish us and to care for us. He, he saves us. He defends and protects us. Yet we continue to allow ungodliness to get the best of us. It's almost sometimes we're telling God that while you're good, God, and I appreciate you, these other things are a little bit better. So, so let's go back to the scripture we read earlier so you can see something. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did eat the same spiritual meat and did drink all and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them that rock was Christ. Keep going. Um, verse five. Go to verse five. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Go. Now, these things were example to the intent to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Go to seven. Neither. That's where I was trying to get to. Neither be ye. Stop right there. Whether we understand it or not, we, when we decide to go after the other thing instead of the godly thing, we become idolaters. We're not bowing before the statue. We're not worshiping the statue. We're not worshiping some false god. But anything you put over God make you an idolater. Uh-huh. 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 So sometimes we think that I'm not doing any real bad sin. I know, but I'm but remember what I'm trying to tell you. God says either this way or not. There's no middle ground, there's no gray area. And so what he's saying is the bottom line is when you choose the temptation over me, it makes you an idolater. And now you don't have the power of God that can help you because you decide that you want that and you don't want God. And let me help you because I'm in the flesh just like you. No, you're not saying that. Let me help you. No, preacher, I'm not choosing that thing over God. It's just right now, I'm right there with you. But according to God, we're idolaters. Me, you, and everybody that does it. Mm-hmm. I'm with you because I know we, we reason in our mind. We, we, we try to reason our mind, try to justify things. But the bottom line is, what does God say? And, and the bottom line was when you read those texts of scriptures talking about how God treated them, how he showed them goodness and all of that stuff. And then when they got tempted, it becomes where they decide that, ah, ah, God, ah. and the temptation, we go over to that side. 
Here is the cycle that keeps repeating itself in our lives. You ready for this? At some point of our life, Jesus revealed himself to us. We recognize who he is and we realize that we need him in our life. Then we understand we need him to sustain us and to keep us and that we need him to help us fulfill our purpose. Uh huh. And then we realize we need him to have eternal life, joy, peace, completeness, wholeness. So we realize that. And so we say, how do I get that? And then you hear from a preacher like me that says, now you need to repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then all of that stuff happened for you. The promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Even as many the Lord our God has called. And you hear that. And you did like the people who heard it back then. You decide to repent and get baptized. Your sins get washed away. And now you are living for God. Uh huh. We obey his commandment to do all of that stuff. And we do it. But when we enter the kingdom of God, we stop seeking and searching to know him more. Uh-huh. We stop seeking to know our purpose in him because it's taken too long. Why, when I get saved, God just don't tell me right away what my purpose is. Why he waiting so long? Why I got to come to all these church services to hear the preacher preach? Why don't God just tell me what I need to know? And so we slow down. We come sometimes, not all the time. When we first started coming, though, it was different. Sometimes, not all the time, right? And so we become stagnant and bored. So now we become more aware of temptations. When you first got a taste of Jesus when you came to church, man, you didn't want to miss no Sunday. You wanted to find out what's going on. You wanted to experience his presence. You wanted to hear the word of God preach. You wanted all these things. And so you were on the mark. You were coming. I want to hear. I want to understand. And it's all working. And then when you heard that you need to give your life to Christ, yeah, that's what I want to do. And you did it. And so now, you did it. You become comfortable. And when you become comfortable... You become stagnant. And now you become aware of temptation. You want to hear the funny thing about it? When you were killing it, the temptations were always there. <laughs> Sister Ray, when, you, when we were killing it, the temptation, but, but we couldn't see it. We were so focused and locked in. We were so busy trying to seek God and his will for our life. We could not see the temptations. We couldn't even relate to them. All we were doing was telling people, I'm in church now and you need to give your life to God. It was really, that was really our defense. We were waiting for people to tell us, what you doing now with your life? Girl, I'm in church. What kind of church you go to? A church like the Bible, not the church you go to. We were so proud. I go to a real church, not no phony fake church, not no church that pretend. Our church sees signs and wonders and miracles, the power of God, the word of God. We get back. 
to. Go read the book of Acts. That's the church I'm in. And so before they can discourage us, before they can tempt us, we already had the power of God ready for them. Because we were telling them what we were doing. And then that kind of dissipated a little bit. So now we start to, we start noticing the temptations. Uh, we start noticing the temptations. And they were always there. We started to notice them a little bit more than we need to. Uh huh. You, 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 you're starting to realize, oh, is that what's going on? Yeah. And so now we stop doing what we used to do. We slow it down. If we were going every Sunday, uh, we go three Sundays instead of four or five. Uh, we used to wake up all the time in the morning and pray. Now, uh, a little busy. I didn't get a chance to pray this morning. I, I, I'll pray later on my lunch break. Uh, and we just keep on moving. And, 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 and then I read my Bible. You should wear script, read the scripture. Now, you know what I do? I wait for one of them people on the radio, on the TV to throw out a scripture and that be my scripture for the day. And I'm just moving. I stopped doing the things that I was doing when I first got there. And so now temptation is right there looking at me. And so that's where Corinthians, and I'm closing now. Corinthians says in verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there had no temptation. Listen to it. Key word, key word. There are no temptation taken you. Oh, temptation going to take you. You're not that big and bad. You're not that big and bad. I'm not that big and bad. Temptation going to take us. Ah! There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Church, our human nature makes us a liability to temptation. The temptation you are experiencing or the one you will experience, it is common. It is not uncommon. It is not new. It is not different. It is not because you are the worst. It's because you are human. Sometimes temptation comes and we start to worry. Man, I wonder if God just think I'm just bad because of what I did last year. I wonder if God... No, you're human. God is not mad at you. God has not forgotten about you. God has not given up on you. God knows that temptation comes to every human. So don't start. So let me say it this way. Stop thinking your struggle is rare. Don't go acting like nobody understands. It ain't new. I know you want to think it's new. It's not new. You're not, you don't have some special thing going on. You're not that special. Because when you, when you start to think, when you start to say, well, you, you don't understand, preacher. They, they, you're starting to make yourself like you just above everybody. You don't even realize it. You're starting to make yourself like you're above everybody. The Bible says no temptation is uncommon. It's all common. Yours is not special. What you're going through is not just for you. A whole lot of folk is going through the same thing you're going through. 
A whole lot of folk is caught up in the same thing you're caught up in. Your situation is not special. It's common. You're human. You're in the flesh. Your situation is common. So forget it and stop acting like you're not going to talk about it. You're not going to do anything because y'all don't understand. You know, that's code talk. I got to be honest with you. You don't understand. It's code talk for just for, for not doing what you're supposed to do. Code talk. You don't understand. Oh, God, help us. Code talk. I see that code talk. I see when people don't want to do stuff. They say, you don't really understand because... Church, the worst of the worst that you've gone through, somebody else has gone through that. And probably even the worse. So just get over that. And once you get over that and realize your temptation that you're dealing with, your situation that you're dealing with, it's common. Not because you don't know other people that's going through it, don't mean it's uncommon. You just don't know who they are. But if you trust the word of God, you understand that what you're dealing with and what you're going through, it is common. It's not different. It's not this this rare situation. The next part of the text, but God is faithful. So the temptation that's going to take you, it's going to take you. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. Kim, go to the next room. Get under the bed. I want you to start to speak out everything that you see. The next part is very important. They're going to take you. They're going to take you. Temptation is going to take you. Temptation is going to take you. Don't you think that is going to get not get you? One way or another, one of the temptation is going to get you. It's going to take you. I want you to be of good cheer about that this morning. I'm getting you somewhere. I'm getting ready to get you somewhere. I want you to feel good about that temptation taking you because you know that it's not rare. It's not, it's not something that's uncommon. It's going to take me. <laughs> it's going to take you. But God is faithful. See what happens when we try to act like we got this together? Sooner or later, something will happen in our life that make us have to say, God, I need you. And some of us are so stubborn that we don't want to call on him. Well, you're going to stay stuck right where you are. Because we need him. And when that temptation take you, you realize that until you call on him, that temptation will get you. Nothing you can do. You ain't got that much power. You ain't got that much strength. You ain't got that much knowledge. That temptation will have you. But God is faithful. Somebody say, but God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. It means God is trustworthy when it says he's faithful. It means he is a sure thing. You can depend on him. He is truth. He's dependable. He, listen to me, he, almighty God, will not stand by and watch you get tempted to the point 
where the temptation will destroy you. Woo! So all while you're being tempted, guess who's watching? What kind of God is he? Why don't he just get in the way? Stop being a baby. He don't want to raise no baby. Serena, God don't want no baby. And when we try to talk about, well, he see the stuff coming. Why don't he do something? No, he's trying to get you to grow up. Want him to get in the way every time. Can you imagine? Well, I can't imagine. Raising kids and all you ever do is get them out of situation. Every time they get away, they get jammed up. Oh, let me help you, kid. What's going to happen to that kid? They never grow up. They never grow up. Every time they get jammed up, here you go, right before they can get in any jam. Oh, I got you, son. I got you, daughter. They'll never grow up. And that's what God is doing. He's just sitting by watching. He knows what his word says. He's trying to teach us and instruct us how we need to handle our business. But we don't always handle our business. Listen, God will not allow your temptation to destroy you. But listen to me. But you can let your temptation destroy you. You know how we say God will never put more on me than I can bear? And we love to quote that. Well, quote this. But you will put more on you than you can bear. Same thing with temptation. God will not allow you to be tempted to the point where you will be destroyed by your temptation. But you, because you want that temptation, because you want to get entangled with it, because you desire it, guess what? It will entangle you so much that it will destroy you because that's what you want. Listen to me. Love means, can't tell you this, you, 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 you in this church any amount of time, you're like, I hear this before. Well, hear it again. Love means that God will not force you to do anything. He will coerce you and he will try his best to give you good direction. He, was try, he will try to do whatever he can to make you see the right way. But he will not do it for you, the things that you need to do for yourself. Uh-huh. And so that's where the struggle becomes even more real is because you're thinking in your mind that I don't have to do nothing. God will take care of me. Ooh. And so you just plunging in your temptation. Ooh, this, I like this. And before you know it, that temptation just take you over and it will destroy you because you desire it more than you desire the things of God. All of our temptation is subject to the power of God Almighty. Don't you forget that. So all the temptation we will experience, God has authority and power over it. And he's there. Because here's the truth of the matter. And I'm closing. Second one, Truby. Here's the truth of the matter. We work together with God. We be thinking that God is the genie, that God is the, I don't know, the robot that we just program and he just work. My son got a, um, it's funny, he got a um, vacuum. I don't know. I guess you program it. It's a robot vacuum. Just go up and down. Now, I ain't got no robot vacuum, but he got one. And just vacuum in the floor. He don't have to touch it. That's what we think God is. 
That's what we think God is. I, I just program him and let him just vacuum the floor for me, and I don't do anything. Uh-huh. That's where we're getting caught all the time because God is supposed to just do what I tell him. Yeah, God, just do what I tell you, and, and I'll be fine. And God is saying, you have not looked at my word. We are laborers together with him. He's got his part to do, and we've got our part to do. And if you read the scripture a lot, you will see he says, if you will, I will. If you will, I will. But we want to live the life of saying, well, God, you just go ahead and do, and I'll just chill. What lady give birth without doing nothing? Okay, thanks, Sister Florence. None. So how how we expect for things to be birthed and we don't do nothing? God's just going to do all the work and get the baby here. God's going, get everything going, and we just, oh, yeah, God, there you go, God. We got to change our mindset from how we think God should be working because that's not how God works. We work together. Together. You are responsible for something. You ought to do something. This is why I said from the outset, let's worship him and let's praise him. Because that worked together with him. When we praise him, when we worship him, he's doing his part. But we work together with Christ. He don't just do everything and we do nothing. But... Will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And so here it is. The same God who delivered Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The same God who delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt from slavery. The same God who delivered the woman at the well from a shacked up relationship. The same God who delivered the adulterous woman from adultery. The same God who delivered Peter from prison. The same God who delivered Paul and Silas from prison and even just loosed the shackles off of them. The same God who delivered the Apostle Paul and 277 others from shipwreck is the same God that's working today on our behalf. we got to realize that God is our deliverer. And if we will call on His name when temptation take us, God is well able God is willing to come and rescue us but the question is today do you want to be delivered from your situation it doesn't matter what situation you got yourself into Sometimes we get ourselves in a situation where we start to put the guilt trip on ourselves. Man, I really messed up. Man, I did this. Man, I did that. And we just kind of tell ourselves that and stop reaching for God because we felt like we messed up too badly. Well, I'm here to tell you, you, you can't mess up enough for God to give up on you. You can't mess up enough. You got to realize God has invested too much in you. You know how much investment God made in you? Let me tell you how much investment God made in you. God existed as a spirit, chilling, doing his thing. Didn't have to worry about anything. He, God Almighty, control everything in the spirit realm. And then because of us, he had to become a human. Because of us. 
So that's where the investment started. Oh, Lord. Okay. So I can't just exist as a spirit only anymore because they messed up. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to be the one to bail them out. Because there's not one person walking the earth that's qualified that can do what needs to be done to bail them out. So because there's none, I'm going to have to be that one. So I'm not sending no son. No, I'm going. But because I'm going to become a human like them, I'm going to be a son. And so he came. And he lived a life of example. Never sinned, never messed up, never did anything wrong. Then he gave his life. I mean, he was whipped, beaten, crown of thorn on his head, spoken to, derogatory, everything. Investment, investment, investment. I'm doing all of this for a reason. What was his motive? What was his motive for doing all of that? You. How's his motive? So he invested too much to just turn his back on you. So any turning of back, it's you. It's not him. Because what's your investment? And if you really notice someone that's really living for God, when you get to a certain place of investment in God, you ain't turning your back either. It's like a marriage, baby. When you invest enough in that marriage, you ain't turning your back. You're going to fight through everything you got to fight through. You're not just going to stay there and be like, well, it's over. No, I invested too much. We got kids. We got ass now. You hear me, young people? The early years in your marriage, just keep on pushing through. Because there's going to be some reason to say you, you don't want to be in it no more. Just keep on pushing through. And you get enough time in. Oh, you ain't giving it up. <laughs> Get enough time in it. Oh, no, I ain't going nowhere. You you kidding me? <laughs> Sister Wood, are you kidding me? And then some of the wives, I got to be honest, wives, some of the wives saying, oh, no, I done invest too much in him. I ain't letting nobody get that. I, done, I got him there. You see how he is? When I found him, he ain't look like that. Please, I cleaned him up and made him like a real man. And you want me to let him walk? No, I don't care what he did. He's standing right here with me. I say that so you understand that investment that God has made. And if we will make the same investment, both us and God will be saying, I ain't giving up on this. I don't care what I go through. I'm going to keep on going. I've invested too much in this relationship. Stand with me. God has invested a whole lot in you. And so he's not going to give up on you. He's not just, just going to leave you stuck like that. And so he is our deliverer. Doesn't matter what the situation is. You got God on your side. Listen to me. We can allow temptation to either weaken us or make us stronger. We can allow temptation to either weaken us or make us stronger. We can take the easy way out and give in to temptation and let it rule us. Or we can say, God, will you help me and get me out of this situation? If we're not looking for a way out of the temptation, we will not get out of the temptation. If we're not looking for a way out of the temptation, we will not get out of the temptation. 
If we're not looking for a way out of the temptation, we will not get out of the temptation. So when that temptation take you, if you don't want to get out of it, you will stay in it. But if we want to get out of that temptation, if we want to get out of that situation, if we want to get out of that place where we feel like it's just dark, get out of that place where life is not good, get out of that place where I'm no longer just thinking that, oh, oh, you know, God is able and I'm doing nothing. If I want to get out of that place, I got to seek God. I got to want to get out. It can't just be, well, God, you know, why aren't you doing something? How am I showing God I want to get out? Because you could even trick yourself to say, I want to get out. But you don't really want to get out. Because here is the, here's, here's the trick of the matter. You've got to remember flesh, eye, and pride. You've got to remember those things is still existing in you wanting it, wanting it. And the only thing that you can do is your soul, who you are within, have to say, but I don't want this. I don't want this. I need to get out of this. When the soul inside of you starts saying, I don't want this. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to stay here. That's when you have summoned God to help you. But as long as you say it verbally, but you still desire it in your flesh, with your eyes and in your pride, you still desire it, you ain't getting out. So you better not let yourself trick you. Don't let, don't let your flesh trick you. Don't let your eye trick you. Don't let the pride of life trick you into thinking that you really want to get out when you don't want to get out. Those things are deceptive. And the only way you're going to get those things right is by getting into God's word, reading his word, and praying and seeking God. That's when you will really, really get the strength to say, I want to get out. Not get out because you can't get out. That temptation take you, you ain't getting out. You need God to get you out. All of us. Look at the preacher. Say, you too, preacher. Yes, I want you to tell me that. Because I want you to understand, I'm not exempt from what I'm preaching. I'm preaching what the Word of God says. We're not exempt. All of us are in flesh. And the only way we're going to get out of it is if we want to get out of it. If we're not looking for a way out of the temptation, then we will remain stuck in it. Because if we want to get out, of it, and we look to Jesus, he will show us the way of escape. That's what the scripture says. He will make a way of escape. He will show us the way of escape when we say, I want to get out. Don't we serve a good God? We make a mess all the time of ourselves, and we act like we got it together, and then when all the stuff starts falling down upon us, we realize we don't have it together. I may not call my best buddy up. I may not tell you what's going on, but at some point I can sit in my own little secluded place and says, yeah, I messed this one up, and I don't know how I'm getting out of this. Yeah, I can be honest with myself, but that I ain't telling nobody, but I can be honest with myself. That's what we do. But you got to realize God wants to get you out. And so I close with this scripture, Second Peter Two, eight and nine. Verse eight says, "For that righteous man dwelling among them, in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with unlawful deeds." So here's what here's. Let me break that down for you and tell you what's going on. That's that that's that's Lot right there, right? And so remember, I told you Lot chose. 
to go to Sodom and Gomorrah where there was just all kind of terrible lifestyle down there. But because it looked good, he went. Looked good. So he went. And the whole time he was down there, it says that that righteous man. I know we all thought righteous was, um, Lot was unrighteous, but he came out of a righteous home. And he allowed temptation to pull him into unrighteousness. And when that pulled him into unrighteousness, he was existed in a place where he was seeing all this unrighteousness and his soul, who he was as a person, was just vexed, was just like, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want this. So you, you, you get what I'm saying? I'm bringing it. This, this, is, this, is, this is it right here. I'm bringing it to you to show you how good God is. While he was in Sodom and Gomorrah, in those two cities, his soul that was right before he went there was just messed up from all the unrighteousness that was going on in those cities. So it says, in seeing and hearing, he was seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So he was in a place. Can I tell you this? I, I don't compare myself to Lot because I don't think I'm nowhere close to Lot. But when I first got saved, I was one of the best waiters Prince had ever seen. I used to wait on tables, top-notch, upscale restaurants. Best thing they ever seen. They couldn't touch me. They used to bring people out of town to come watch me wait tables because I was just that good. And I got saved. And I was still waiting. I was still waiting on tables. Then I started learning about God and knowing God. And I said, man, I have to stop being a waiter. You know why? Because in that business, I had to serve alcohol to people. I used to know all the best drinks to recommend, what kind of wine to drink with certain kind of foods and all of this stuff. What's the best drink if you want to do this and want to do that? I knew all that stuff. So I'm recommending all this stuff and I'm serving this stuff. And on top of it, you know, a lot of cursing going around in the restaurant business and a lot of other things go on. And so my soul was vexed and I had to give it up. Something I still today, I go to restaurants today to eat and I'm looking because I just enjoyed it. It was the gift probably God put in me. I love people. And that brought out everything in me about loving people. Because every new table came up, I had a chance to work with them. Who are they? Where they're from? Talk to them. So the gift that God has put in me as far as being a people person, working with people, it, it was at its best when I was waiting tables. So today I go to restaurants and I still want to do it. It's crazy. I go to restaurants and I watch how everybody rolling. Yeah, I still got it. I can do that. I can do that. I just loved it that much. But I gave it up. Because it was vexing my soul because of what I was doing. Now, somebody might, is that sin? We can debate that. That's really not sin. Right? I'm just doing, I'm, 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 I'm working a job to make a living. So is that sin? But my soul was vexed saying, dude, you're serving alcohol. You don't drink alcohol. You're serving it. Dude, you listen to all that cursing coming in your ear every day and all that stuff. And so I decided I'd give it up. So I know and understand, and some of you in here know and understand the whole thing. If you're in an unrighteous environment, it's going to vex your soul if, if you're seeking after God. If, if you're reaching for God to say, God, I need to be delivered. 
I want to get out of this. If, if that's how you feel about God and you want to know more about God, you want to get into a deeper relationship with God. If that's how you feel, you're going to want to get out of any situation that just work on your soul of, of just contaminating your soul with unrighteousness. And so the final word here says, so that's how Lot felt. So as much as we probably think Lot was ungodly for choosing Sodom and Gomorrah and living in that land of just ungodliness, I hear you. But the bottom line was his soul was being vexed. And then look at verse number nine. This will bring real good stuff to your soul. Look at what verse number nine says. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So here is the truth of the matter today. Whatever situation you're in, whatever temptation that you face, God is saying, if you want to get out, it's nothing for me to get you out. I will make a way of escape for you. I will get you out of it. I will take care of you if you want to get out. But you got to want to get out. And listen to what I'm saying now. Because I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. This is, this is it. I said temptation. Some situation is situation that you're going to have to ask God for strength to deal with. I said temptation. Temptation means some ungodliness. You can only be tempted with ungodliness if you're godly. You can only be tempted with ungodliness if you're godly. So don't you misunderstand me by thinking that you got a situation now that you want to get out of. Yeah, is it ungodly? So don't mistake your situation to be ungodly. It's only ungodliness that God will deliver you out of, not godliness. So what are you saying, preacher? So if your marriage is a struggle, don't tell God to deliver you out of that. I'm just trying to be real as I can be. I'm just trying to help you as best as I can. We don't tell God, Lord, get me out of this marriage because I just can't take it no more. Marriage was created by God. And so it's not ungodly. All we can do in that situation is pray, God, give me peace. God, let the joy flow. God, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Allow me to be able to handle this with joy. I don't want to wake up every day frustrated, depressed, and all of that stuff in this situation. God, work with me, Lord. Give me strength in this. Hear me. The three Hebrew boys engaged in a, in a godly situation. It wasn't temptation. It wasn't temptation. It was a godly situation, in my opinion. And the whole thing was the king was trying to give them a hard time because they wouldn't worship the things of the king. Ungodliness, unrighteousness. And they say, no, we're going to serve our God. And he said, you know what? We're going to throw them in a fiery furnace. Since they don't want to worship our God, we're going to throw them in a fiery furnace. And so here's what I'm telling you. That wasn't temptation. They stood, they stood their ground and said, no, we're not doing any ungodliness, worshiping no king and all that stuff. And so maybe you could call it temptation. But the point is in this story, the point is 
God didn't deliver them out of it. And in my opinion, this is my scripture, if God don't deliver you out of something, it means it's not ungodly. And it means God is going to be with you. If God don't deliver you, it must not be ungodly. And he's going to be right there with you. So there are some things you're going to want to get delivered from. And God is going to say, no, no, no. I am going to be with you in it. I am going to keep you in it. You're going to experience joy in it. You're going to experience peace in it. You're going to experience liberty in it. The Bible says that them boys was walking in the fire and they weren't being burned. Their clothes wouldn't get consumed by smoke. Nothing. They were walking in it peaceful and all good because the son of man was with them. And so there's something that's not ungodly that God will be with you, but you're not going to get out of it. Just like the Apostle Paul, he says, Lord, can you remove this thorn from my side? The scripture we read earlier, God says, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient because it's something godly, something godly. That thorn in Paul's side kept him humble. Uh huh. And so there's some things that God allow you to deal with because guess why? It's going to keep you humble. It's going to keep you looking to Jesus. And so while you might be saying, God, get me out of this, he said, uh-uh, my grace will be sufficient. Now, but there's some other things like we've talked about today, some temptation, idolatry, lying, deceit, stealing, stuff like that. God is saying, you need to come out of that. And if you want to get out, God will get you out. If you're here today and you want God to deliver you from a situation, today is your day. Today is your day to be delivered from what God want to deliver you from if you want to be delivered from it. And so we're going to take five minutes. We'll get out of here in a second. We'll take five minutes. And if you will lift your hands and you will pray. If you need to come to the front, come to the front. But if you're ready to be delivered, you don't have to confess. This is not the, won't call no names. This is not the church where you come and confess your sin to the priest. You don't have to come tell me what the situation is. I don't need to know. Because I'm praying with you to the God that knows everything. So I don't need to know. So you don't have to worry about, do I got to go tell him? No, 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 no. The omniscient God, the all-knowing God is who that is. He already knows. And he's the one that's telling you, I want to deliver you today. So if you want to come, come. If you don't want to come, you stay right there. But lift your hands and let the Lord have his way. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we surrender our life to you even now. We thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, we look to you. For we know you're a delivering God. And Lord God, I know if you wanted us to hear about your delivering power. That you are our God and you are our deliverer. Lord, it's because you want us delivered. It's because you want us to be free, almighty God. And I pray today, Lord God, for those that are bound by temptation. 
those that are bound by captivity, that today, Lord God, will be their day of liberty. Today will be their day of total deliverance and freedom. That as they get delivered, Lord God, they're able to know that it was you that set them free. Oh, my God. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord, church, hear me. This is your time to interact with God. God's word has been spoken to your heart. God has preached his word to you through his servant. Now this is where your miracle take place. This is where the things of God gets done when you...